Paranormal Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we are with Melissa Hornbeck, who is the one of the leaders of OPIT, which is a local Ohio paranormal team. I've had the privilege of being out on a couple of times now. Welcome, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, can't complain much, and I, I reckon if I do, the listeners don't want to hear that anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably not why they tuned in, for real. Exactly. Well... You never know when they tune when they tune in or what they tune in for, but I'm hoping they didn't tune in to listen to me complain. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll get started here in a little bit, but I wanted to give a notification to the public. You may have seen this, you may not have seen this, but uh, I just wanted to let everybody know because a couple of people that are going to be filmed in this process are friends of mine. The History Channel just gave a green light next year to do what is called the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. They're going to be running around Skinwalker Ranch and talking about a little bit of investigations while they're doing it as well as the history, science, what they found, and so forth. So I just want to tune in. I'm not going to say the people that are going to be on it right now, but I have known a couple of them for quite a number of years, so I'm proud that they actually got the green light to go. Um, so, Melissa, let's just jump straight into it. You have a uh, local paranormal team. How long have you guys been uh, here in Ohio? Um. We, well, I've lived in Ohio my whole life. The team's been together for about 13 years. Wow, 13 years. That's a long time to be doing investigations. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. So you started, gosh, you started in what I like to call the pre-puppy phase of television. Um, before there were any real, st- all these dozens of shows out there in fact i think there was only one maybe two airing at that time keith h may have done a couple of specials and ghost hunters might have just came on yeah i think ghost hunters was available because a lot of people kept comparing us with them maybe ghost adventures well that that came on about a year and a half yeah that might have been after we got started yeah yeah i think he started about a year and a half after ghost hunters give or take maybe Two years after Ghost Hunters, I know he aired his first documentary during the same process that Keith Age did. So it was about a year before Ghost Hunters started, but he didn't get a series until about a year or two after that. So um, that's uh, that means that you actually had a chance to work with the grandfathers of the industry, so to speak, which not very many people that I talk to these days have had the chance to do when there was a lot of old school before we had all these fancy-dancy texts. and uh, right. Rugly little devices and all that other good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And it's still the way I prefer, <laughs> actually. With all the devices, you know, it's... I still... Well, good old EVP, that's my favorite. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just can't... If you have somebody that doesn't believe, and they go with you to a haunted location, and they're with you when you ask questions, and you play it back, and... And they hear something that they know we didn't hear at the time. That's that's the one that leaves them all speechless. So I, I actually around a, for a long time. People just didn't, you know, use it for that reason so much. It kind of just mostly accidentally got picked up on recorders and stuff. 
Yeah, well, it's been – electronic voice phenomenon has been around, gosh, for almost 45 years. I think Radive jumped on the train and made it a little bit more logical when he started breaking down classifications. And then, of course, before that, there were many other people. But I don't think a lot of people understood what EVP was or even knew it was out there with the exception of maybe the handful of ghost hunters that were applying the theories um, out of curiosity more than anything else because it was the only way at one point – it was the only way to capture the dead. Um, you had Granted, you had spirit photography and a lot of other things, but most spirit photography were just con men that were learning how to manipulate old flash cameras. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so it was uh, one of the old school methods even, along with – I actually realized that the dead were paying attention to us. So I think that's why it's so fascinating to me. Like when, when my team first started out, we actually first started out just um, doing orb studies because I'd heard of the orb controversy. I'd been around spirits most of my life. I've seen them show up in photographs. Um, I've seen dust show up in photographs. I know there's a difference, and I know there's also a connection between orbs. And So that's mostly what my team had set out starting to do. Um, somebody had mentioned bringing in a voice recorder one time when we were out there investigating because we would ask them, you know, we would ask them to do us favors like, um, I'm going to stand Michael right over here. We're going to count to 10, and if you would please show up for a picture, that would be awesome kind of thing. And after going to where we are stomping around there at Gretchen's Lock, after going there on a regular basis, they started cooperating really well. Well, that's when I got my first EVP. And and it was in response to what I was saying. So it was an intelligent, it wasn't just a residual type thing. They were actually responding to what I said. And nothing in this field has been able to fascinate me more than that very first EVP. I totally get a kick out of newcomers that come in and then you end up with a out-of-body voice that just pops out of the blue somewhere when you know that nobody's around you. Um, and it's always amazing to see the first investigator that's never got one of those go, oh, my God, what, what, what was that? Did you say something? No, nah, I've been standing by you the whole time. We're the only two in the place. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And and you... like, I've seen some of the shows on TV where I swear – I swear I actually got to see them see their first EVP, you know what I mean? Like, like there had been others, but there's still that look you get that very first time you realize that wasn't you or nobody else around you. And I've seen that on episodes of other Ghost Hunter-type shows, and I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, what was all them ones before that? Because you're definitely, you know, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know that look. Well, it's uh, it, you do actually, I and mean, that's listeners. Just so that you know, if you've never been on a, a a ghost hunt before, or a tour before, or a situation, and most of you that listen to me have, but those of you that you haven't, you'll run into the um, and I'm going to politely say this, but basically it's the old crap moment. Um, and some people, it happens the first time you're out, and you're lucky. Um, because ghosts are tired of looking at old farts like me. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, it, it takes you years to run across that. But when it happens, it always happens the same way. You basically crap your pants for a slight moment, and you go, oh, my God, I've actually got something I cannot explain here. 
And it is so awesome when it happens. And I recommend for the listeners, if any of you do take tours on a regular basis, always, always take a voice recorder and record it. We have picked up some of the best recordings during a tour and then end up getting next to nothing during the investigation. So, um, like Moundsville, we went to tour Moundsville in the daytime and we picked up at least a dozen EVPs, and one of a harmonica playing, which was even louder and clearer than you could hear us talking. It was as if it went right up to the recorder and just went meow, 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 on the harmonica. It was really <laughs> awesome. And then, so then we spent a bunch of money to go there and spend the night because we got all this activity during the tour, and we'll get there at night, and hardly anything happened. <laughs> it's because they were all sleeping. And the same thing happened in Gettysburg. You take a tour for something, you pick up all kinds of stuff. And then, yeah, so always, I definitely, I think the tours interrupt the spirits. You know what I mean? It's interesting you know, to them. That's actually a good uh, point to bring up, and I think a part of it is routine. You know, we spend thousands of dollars to go to some of these prisons, as an example, and most people will tell you they spent the whole night in the prison and barely got anything. But the first time that I went to Ohio State Reformatory was the same case. I went through the tour. I was there at daylight. Um, there were only a handful of us because it wasn't a major event, so maybe seven people were on the tour. Got a chance to veer off on my own because I know the owners a little bit, and I got a boatload of things I can't explain. I've been there many, many times at night and got virtually or absolutely nothing. Right. But if I come in there at about 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock to set up, I can go off on my own and I'll pick up at least five or six EVPs randomly in a cell or somewhere else. It sounds like people talking. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, my team, we have a little theory on that. I, I think it's because the prisoners weren't allowed to be active at night. I think that's the case, too. Lights out happened at a certain time, and you weren't allowed to do anything, but during the day, you were active. Sometimes you were moving around to the chapel, or you were in the yard, and right. uh, and you were allowed to speak. I think it's the same thing with Gettysburg. I've heard a lot of investigators um, that have physically spoke about how they get a lot of activity during the day and less at night. You can hear some mumbling, uh, some things that sound like campfire stories, things along those lines at the night, and it's for the same reason. Most battles did not happen at night. You had some sneaky moves, but a lot of battles were in the daylight, and a lot of the activity was in the daylight. At night, you tried to get as much rest as possible when you weren't guarding the camps. Yep. So same things apply there. I mean, there were a couple of night battles that lasted throughout day and night, and a few of those areas would be active no matter what. But your generalized areas probably would be more active in the daytime. I love Gettysburg. I love, love, love Gettysburg. That's where I'm going to live when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually my first year to be able to go out there and investigate. I went out there to set up cameras a long time ago for a couple of TV shows. Never really had a chance to spend time with. I took the day tours and things like that, um, but never really had any time to investigate it. So this summer we're going up to the Gettysburg Bash, and I'm not. I might set up a table, but I don't think I'm going to set up a table. I think I'm just going up there to spend to hang out with everybody else that has a table. I know a couple of people that are willing to give me just a handful of space and uh, pay for the tickets to do the tours, spend time paying the ticket for the investigation, and just see what happens. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I know, um, Kristen, Kristen Lee, she, she does a lot of things there at Gettysburg. 
So she'll probably be there for that. I know she's got something hooked up there this summer. Some sort of big event thing. Pretty psyched to be up there because uh, most everybody I know is going to be up there. Unfortunately, I don't think Mr. McClellan is going to be there because he had to cancel on Mid-South, but he might still be at Gettysburg. Jack's going to be there. Some of the team from the Ghost Hunters are going to be there. A couple of Ghost Brothers are going to be there. I think a few people from Ray Chasers are going to be there. So a lot of the people I talk to on and off throughout this whole process are going to be there, and I don't really get enough time to spend with them because, like all of us, we're all running around or we're doing our own things or we're working. Um, Yeah. So you don't get a chance to spend time with people just shaking their hands outside of Facebook every now and then in a comment. <laughs> yep, I understand that too. I've I've been to a couple few of those events, and yeah, you usually get tied up doing your own thing or people talking to you. You know, like the people that came to see you, they're a little bit more important than going around being a social butterfly with the other folks. Yeah. Well, and and for me, I'm really not. I, I people know me, but I really, I'm really not as popular as some of these guys. So they spend a lot of their time signing autographs during the day, and if I get a chance, I can hang out with them for thirty or forty minutes during that process and catch up. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I'm I'm really excited for Gettysburg because I know everybody's going to be there. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like Mid-South on steroids just because I've never been to Gettysburg, but I've been to Mid-South a dozen times, and it's just a con. They really don't do a an investigation of the area and so forth, so it'll be fun. Oh, indeed. I can't wait to hear about it. You know, you brought up a very interesting thing earlier that I'm going to get into a little bit, and that is orbs. I've had this discussion several times with many people, and I don't think people understand that the word orb may not be there, but um, – the phenomenon goes before digital cameras and the digital era. Ghost lights have been around for almost 85 years. A little bit earlier than that, actually. It goes back as early as the uh, 200 years. The Romans actually talked about floating lights on top of their battlefield in the middle of the night. Um, so the theory goes way, way back on how solid forms of light can float around now of course logically some of this has been explained gaseous bombs coming up from the swamps bam there's a a glowing disturbance um you know a couple other things like electricity that can form in particular areas but there are still ghost lights in many shapes that were not only circular and small, but also quite large. In fact, a lot of these traveled over to UFOs later on. There's some famous events in Texas, a couple of events, I think, in Michigan, Minnesota. Um, So ghost lights go a lot further back than the term orb. Now, scientifically, we can explain and debunk a video as dust or a digital camera as dust because of the way it focuses. But You cannot debunk what you see in front of your physical eyes when you're watching something that's solid light that you know is not an insect the size of your hand fly in front of your face and go through a door. (laughs) Oh, my team's got quite a few orb photos that you really can't debunk. Well, and that's the other – that leads into the other thing. Sometimes you will catch these on photos. Sometimes – I don't think people understand this. It's hard to classify without the other evidence a lot of times because a digital camera can have a lot of it debunked with dust and moisture and bugs and so forth. So they're automatically going to come back and do that. But way before digital cameras, just so you guys were aware, photographic cameras were still picking up these things. 
Right. Uh, and and they weren't reflection or light sources or flash sources sometimes. You could very distinctively tell the difference. So Exactly. So that's what made me think, you know, why are people being so hard on the digital cameras? Just because they can pick up the dust, the pollen, the moisture, and that other stuff doesn't mean that they're not picking up the spirit activity as well. Well, that's so, why I tell a lot no, of people you, have, you can't the use fruit. You can't use the photo alone, but if you add it up to the other evidence in the room, let's say you have two cameras set up. You have a, a digital camera set up where you're taking pictures. Say it's set on rotation to take flashes every now and then or just take pictures without the flash. You have two video cameras and you have your cell phone. Now, if you have two video cameras physically picking up something as well as your cell phone camera picking up something that is the exact same movement flying through a door – and then out into another room. How do you explain that? A lot of people will say, well, because I picked it up on three or four cameras, it's got to be explainable. That's not the truth. Right. That's how you confirm the situation. That's different than audio recordings, just so everybody knows. You can't explain an audio recording if you have four recorders in the same room. One recorder picks up something and the other four don't. <laughs> or five right. recorders, one recorder picks it up and the other four don't. Okay, that's well, three an anomaly. Of them will pick up and two of them don't. Yeah, exactly. But if you have five cameras set up and all five cameras pick up something flying through a wall, coming back and forth through a wall on both sides, that's an anomaly too. You can't explain that because the different cameras should not have picked it up. If it was a bug or an insect or a fly, depending on the situation, the yeah, it would it would be different. Um, two cameras might pick up the bug. If it's dust, all cameras will pick up different dust <laughs> and reflect it. Um, so there is a possibility that orbs do exist sometimes. It's just you get tore apart because most people use it as one piece of evidence. Hey, look at the photo I got. Well, you can't just take one piece of evidence and say this is proof. You have to have data to correspond with that. And a lot of people right. don't get that, I think. Well, that's that's the reason I really, really love the EVP so much, because we've already gotten some pretty amazing photos. Um, I'll send you a couple after we're done with this interview thing we're doing here now. Cool. Um, especially the orb ones, because they'll blow your mind, seriously. We, we, we just simply ask, you know, look, we're here trying to prove that orbs and spirits do have a connection, and if you could help us prove that, you know, we, we were... Uh, we did our investigations in a totally different way. Like whenever the spirits were cooperative, we would reward them. Like we would throw like a little ghost party, literally with lights and music and things that they like. And it would draw even more orb activity. And like I've got a photo of a big blue orb coming right up to my hand when I'm holding the MP3 player playing music. Uh, one time we asked them about the help us, you know, show us in a photo help us prove that it's a real phenomenon. And the very next two photos we took, those will be the ones that I send you. Um, one is of a real pretty blue orb, and you can see where it's like a square of it is darker. And in that darker square, it's misting out. And the mist, and at the time we took the picture, we could hear a horse trotting. Huh. So... In the mist, you can actually see a bearded man with a white cowboy hat on a horse coming towards the camera, coming cool. right out of that orb. That's and then cool. the very next picture, 
we got another orb with a spirit profile of a spirit head, and it's coming out of the orb in a totally different way. It's like funneling out from the center. It's really cool. It's, it's fascinating. And, and even my biggest orb skeptics look at these pictures and are like, wow. So, yeah, I'm a fan of the orbs. I say, you know, not every time I see an orb do I see a ghost. But every single time we've seen a ghost, there has been orb activity, heavy orb activity right before the spirit manifests every single time. Well, and what I think people don't understand, and of course this is my big thing that I've been preaching for uh, at least the past seven or eight months because I know a couple of people that have been working in quantum physics. I'm still trying to get one on the show, but he's been traveling around prepping for a big release that he's about to do. In fact, I hope the ghost world pays attention to this one because he's not a small he, – he's a pretty important quantum physicist. He's been on TV before just so you guys know. But anyway, there's a theory involved in him and about 16 other people that state that quantum physics does link to the paranormal in many, many ways, including what you just said in ghost activity and some of these things that we see and energies and so forth because basically – the way he's going to explain it, and he'll be able to break this all down. There's actually paperwork. He's got a book coming out. You'll be able to see all of this stuff. Um, streams fly – they move in motion different than time here. Everything on, on a quantum level all moves at the same moment, and each stream varies on how far out it goes. So each dimension is is, is different. Each Stream and time is different. Each reaction is different. Alternate alternate reactions cause alternate dimensions. All these things are theoretically possible, but they're strung out in different streams. Every time a stream is a little bit closer, it can con collide with each other. Since we're in an existing stream, you get collisions from the past, the present, and the future. Um, now, their theories is they're going to break this down into a little bit more detail, but it makes sense, which is what everybody theoretically, if they don't argue about it, has been waiting for. Um, these collisions cause what we have in residual activity, cause what we have in orb activity, cause what we have in uh, what a lot of people call portals, depending on the individuals that are around and so forth. Because in the theory, just like in science, everything is linked. So all space, all time, all universes, all dimensions, they're all linked. All of this energy is linked in motion, including the human body. So all of it can make sense if you combine all of this. Long story short, all of this can make sense if you combine this theory properly. Um, it is plausible that some mediums do have feelings. It is possible that regular human intuition can tap into this from time to time and feel things that aren't right. It is possible that deja vu can be a part of it. It is possible that orbs, ghosts, and many other things can be a part of it, and it can all be linked in this theory. Um, so yeah, I think – That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, people should listen to it. I think when it comes out and he starts talking about it, people should give it some real thought because the math – the, and, and in physics and quantum physics, just so if, if nobody knows, it's all about math. If the math doesn't add up, it's not possible. The, the math on all of this adds up perfectly. So it is possible. <laughs> um, Amazing. Wow. 
So speaking of situations, I'm curious on whether you guys had a chance to debunk what we caught um, because I'm very skeptical even around me. Even though you guys showed me a piece of evidence and I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what that is, I'm also still very skeptical because that's my nature. I like to explain everything. I think I know why that situation happened. But I'm curious, did you guys get a chance to really dive into that and figure out if it was just lighting and cameras or if it was something we still can't explain? I went over the video myself, actually, and I it only happens then. And so <laughs> I really don't know, and I've never seen that happen there before. We've investigated at the Blair House quite a few times. It's one of my favorite places to go because it is so active. And every time we go, we set a camera up in that attic so that it faces that area. Because every time we go, it seems like something new, strange happens there. <laughs> and I, I really think it's a portal. Because whenever we get weird video in that corner there, it always looks like something opening up and closing. And listeners, so that you know, the Bel Air House actually has an incredible history to it already that I won't get into a lot of detail about. I encourage you to actually go up there with the team and investigate if you're investigators and so forth. Plus, the lady's delightful. She could actually use your help doing so. Um, but um, we caught a very unique situation. I was walking around in a room, and we caught the standard little white, uh, bright lights that move around and shadows that move around. But we had two very distinctive dark spots that basically open up and disappear at a certain point. Uh, when they blew them up, they thought they could see something in there, and I believe it's something that I've recognized before. Uh, now, I'm mentioning this because of the theory of portals. Now, I'm a science science guy, just so that everybody knows. I don't believe in the standard portal like everybody thinks, uh, but there are windows and there are effects that are connected to everything that I had mentioned before, and a part of that is the ability some human beings can possess if they push far enough, and this allows little doorways to open in thin lines, little windows to open up in thin lines. And these things can actually peer out and interact during that period in time. Some of them are not pretty. Some of them are normal. Um, and I think that's possibly what was going on there because I've experienced this situation before many, many times. Um, I spoke a very particular situation that I am used to that I won't do around investigators, but I will do around my – particular camera guys and my particular team members that are used to it because um, I learned the technique a long time ago. And during that period in time, in any place where somebody says they have violent or evil activity, usually something will physically show itself to me in one way, shape, or form. Now, it doesn't stick around for very long, but I did sit up there by myself for a short period in time and say the same thing I've said a billion times before to see if I could get reaction, and then we got reaction that night. So I was just curious on whether you debunked it or not. <laughs> nope, we haven't. And, um, but, boy, we sure, gonna, we sure have gone over the screenshots of it. And you're right. There's definitely what, you know, a, a lot of people would call it matrixing. You know, I wish, I wish that I could just post a picture now so that everybody could see. You can clearly see the face 
than the bigger one. And I'm pretty certain there's a face that just shows up, you know, just like first but second and the little one right before it disappears. Um, I, it's, it's fascinating to see because it was... To, to be able to describe it to the listeners without them being able to see, it was an IR cam, it's all black and white anyway, but it was a section on the wall that looked like a paper does if you light it on fire from underneath. You know how it gets dark and spreads out? Except this thing got dark and spread out, and then it closed back up again. And... We've seen other activity like that in that exact same spot, but it wasn't dark like that. It was more like a rectangular-shaped light anomaly that we actually at first thought was from the windows, and then we tried 50 kinds of ways of recreating it and just couldn't do it. Now, what's unique is um, the Bel Air house is close, if not on, if I remember right, the ley lines that travel through Ohio. Oh, yeah. Uh, so now, listeners, so that you know, if you're not aware of the ley lines, most of you, again, probably are. Ley lines are lines that were drawn out, and it's kind of hard to explain, but basically lines that were drawn out that's a natural kinetic energy and magnetic energy of the Earth. A long time ago, many, many cultures built their great pyramids, their massive sites, their temples, and so forth on the center of where ley lines cross. So it's believed that higher activity levels happen during this process. Again, something that also physics believes that higher activity levels can actually be areas where lines attract closer together and intercede. Um, So it is possible that the Bel Air house does have the potential of an interaction, whether you want to call it portals, whether you want to call it windows, whether you want to call it soever, whatsoever, happening because it's falling right on on one of these lines. And of course, energy flows, you bring in something else, Certain people are more sensitive than others. Certain equipment is more sensitive than others, and bam, you just got a boatload of crap going on you can't explain. <laughs> right, right, and a boatload, like like something going on in, in on every floor and outside. And, you know, sometimes even just taking pictures around the house, you see weird things that you can't explain show up. And there's a, um, a cave, I think about 25 yards behind the house. That is an um, Indian burial cave, I think. It might have even been part of a mound. That's really, really close to Moundsville. But the woods are so overgrown that I can't really get up to it anymore. We tried this summer to clear a path up to it. But I'm sure that fuels a lot of it, too. Yeah, we're going to get Joel and Mike up there for you to clear that path. I guarantee you, Mike will find his way to that cave. That would be awesome. <laughs> That would be really awesome. He's an urban explorer, so that's all he does. I've seen him do some crazy stuff. We went out to – because we we were going to plan a shoot that for uh, uh, an Amazon show, and we went out to an area that they picked for us. And we found it more interesting that there were claims of abandoned coal town mines that nobody can get to. So he and his wife, Shalisa, spent three or four weekends trying to get to these abandoned coal towns coal mines and coal towns he found the mines 
he's still looking for the towns, but he's fascinated with that stuff. He wants to just dig straight in. If he, if you say there's something there and it's hard to get to, he will find a way to get to it, even if he has to bring climbing gear. <laughs> awesome. I think actually um, a chainsaw, you know, I could have gotten further if I'd have had a chainsaw. There's just so many down trees in the way. Not well, years, just, you know, saplings and stuff. Years of forest degradation, and it is right off the edge of a town. And unfortunately, it's in a a, a town that um, isn't economically the best at times. So, um, in fact, that whole area has got beautiful buildings, and it's sad because a lot of them are falling apart. <laughs> it, it is really sad, and the Blair House itself is just gorgeous. I love it. I'm so comfortable there. Some some people, you know, because the spirit activity there is so strong some people will go in and get sick right off the bat the very first time we were there one of our investigators threw up in the driveway as soon as we got there um she had a headache the whole time we were there and we were there for the entire weekend and um it took her i think two or three times going there but now now she's comfortable i've always been comfortable there but um yeah it needs some help it needs some renovation I really was fairly comfortable in the house. In fact, I think that uh, we may even got interaction from somebody named Sarah repetitively for some reason that loved to speak when I opened my mouth. <laughs> how about that? Um, how about that audible whisper that we all heard during the seance? Yep, right behind us. It was a uh, very, very neat, very clear. Yeah. By the way, ladies and gentlemen. We actually caught that on EVP as well, so it's it's confirmable. We were in the middle of a, a seance with the owner, and I can't remember what question I asked. I asked something um, right after you had spoke, and then we very clearly got a, a female voice right behind us that wasn't there. I mean it was very clear. <laughs> oh, 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 it was about blowing out the candle. I said, if you could blow out the candle, we would appreciate that. And then it was a whisper that said, I'm sorry. Yep. And we all heard it at the time, but we didn't know what it was until we played it back. We couldn't hear it very clear, but we all heard the whisper. That was yeah. awesome. And then yeah. we heard a whisper upstairs also, remember? Yeah, I don't remember what the incident was on that, but it was also very clear. Yeah, I, I don't remember the incident either, but I remember that two times we heard a disembodied voice is what I would call it, even though it was a whisper. And then Jonathan and I were upstairs filming Ed's room. I think that's his name, Edward. Ed, um, yeah, uh, we were we were up there filming his room, and I sat down on the edge of the um, I don't know what you call that. It's a it's kind of a soft little stool chair uh, right by the door. And I said, Edward, if you're not here, you know this is your room. You're welcome to come in, and then we very distinctively – and we've got that. I'll send that over to you. You very distinctively, right after I ask this, you can hear the footsteps coming up the stairs and walking down the hallway towards the room. And I'm looking right at the hallway. There's nobody coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the – well, we heard footsteps a few times from downstairs. That was probably one of those times. We just didn't match it up then because, we, you know, sometimes when yeah. we've got separate people doing separate things in separate places, we don't always – get right together and, and exchange experiences like we should. Well, I had sat there saying that at that period in time because when you're when you're sitting there right in front of the door, you've got a clear sight of the hallway. 
Um, so you really – if somebody comes up those steps when you're asking that question, you're going to be able to see them come up the steps and go into a room so you don't get too startled. So I was looking straight out the door um, virtually the whole time. And when I say that, you you very distinctly hear – you can hear them walking right up those steps, and, and you can hear the footsteps right on the wood almost coming up to the door, and then it stops. Right. <laughs> well, how about for an added creep factor, what about the disappearing bat? I looked <laughs> on the <laughs> and that sucker did not go back down them steps. And we were all three upstairs. That thing flew right into your head. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that's why I took the hat off because it came straight at my head. Um, right. So I pulled the hat off to catch it, and then I flipped the hat over before you guys even say so, thinking the bat's in the hat. No bat. That's what so I'm I like, okay. <laughs> yep, I checked the cams, and it did not go downstairs, and I did not pick it up again upstairs. And we did not pick up that bat again the whole rest of the night. Well, maybe the hat's magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be walking around someday at a convention and a bat will just randomly go flying out of my hat. <laughs> oh, I don't care what time of day it is. You better call me if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that was unique, though, listeners. We were I was going back up the steps, and uh, we closed off a room because bats came out of the chimney area and, and were running around through a little hole or the chimney. We couldn't quite figure out where it was coming from. But this thing it apparently got loose and flew out from under a door, um, and uh, it was flying around in the hallway. So uh, it startled Jonathan and, and Melissa, and of course it went flying directly for me. So when it came at my face, I take my hat off because I'm a little freaking going, okay, a bat's going to hit me in the face, and move the hat right in front of my face thinking the bat will hit the hat, and I can flip it over and close the hat. Um, and then it just – plane disappeared we have no we tore the house apart basically looking behind everything around everything couldn't find this bat for the life of us <laughs> yep still have no idea where it went or, or what that was crazy because it, it i've watched that bat fly right into your hat about that that's you know that's just one of the that's one of those things i can't explain we searched <laughs> everywhere for that bat it's a unique incident. You, it, very beautiful place, though. The outside is wonderful. Um, unique incident. The Blair House is full of them. I don't mean to interrupt, but let me tell you about another one. One time I was there, and I went to the bathroom to freshen up, and I had this little tube of lipstick. And I'm looking in the mirror, went to put on my lipstick, and as I'm looking in the mirror, and I only got like half of my top lip done, and I could see that it was black. And I was like, I instantly was like, thought I put the wrong stuff on, you know, and it wiped it off on my hand. And when I looked on my hand, it was the regular color. And then I looked at the lipstick, you know, I was holding, and that was the regular color. And then I looked back in the mirror, and I didn't have any more black stuff on me. But I'm telling you 100%, as I put that lipstick on half of my lip, I absolutely watched it come out black. Well, and a, another story that I forgot to share with you guys, and I was going to share it with the owner because she probably would have shook her head and said, oh, I know who it is. But uh, there's a, a, a TV show that had been in there, and uh, before they were in there, they had a crew set up a few things that was up in that same bathroom, and I forgot to mention that to you. And he's in there you know, taking the little 
light readings, there's a there's a little tester that film crews use to kind of see where you can get the right angle. So they'll come into small environments like that bathroom and they'll shoot this little laser light and go, okay, yeah, we should be able to get a shot there. So he walked in right in front of the mirror and he went to walk out. When he went to walk out, his uh, angle and his face was still aimed in the mirror towards the direction he was at. So he'd already turned around and came out and he was still standing in the mirror. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I'll never forget him telling me that because uh, he came out, he came to me right before I went there and he said, you're going to freak out and I'll give you the story afterwards. And he ended up giving me the story about four hours before I headed out because uh, he and I were talking late at night. And uh, I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. He's like, oh, it scared the piss out of me. I will never go back in there to help set up. <laughs> I was scared to piss out of me when I, when I saw that because I didn't know what the heck that meant. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm Googling it. <laughs> what does it mean to be so if it goes to the field of what your face looks like? I didn't know. It was, yeah, that was definitely, it scared the piss out of me. I ran straight downstairs. I'm like, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. Of course, I was upstairs by myself when it happened. That's the way it happens a lot of times when you're alone. <laughs> right? That's just not even fair. One time I got to see a ghost when somebody was actually with me, so I have an eyewitness for one time. Every other time I've been by myself. I think what's not fair is the activity that you always get while you're setting up and when you tear down. This is why um, a lot of times I'll run a recorder from the moment I walk into the home just to have something going. Because I think every investigation, especially in smaller places like the Bel Air House, Octagon Hall, um, Benton Farms, which I'm about to go back up to this summer, and you know the smaller places, you seem to get right when you're setting up. You'll go setting up everything, and then all of a sudden you'll get activity. But the moment the cameras start running, you don't get squat. <laughs> I think it's like they're fascinated by you at first. So you've got them there checking you out, and you pick up little things. And then they're like, all right, see ya. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is another one of those. They, they're fascinated with your equipment and what you're doing. Hey, what's that? Hmm, what's he doing over there? Then they find out that you're in the motions. And they're like, ah, it's just another one of those. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Whenever we do EVP sessions, so many times we'll pick up our first EVP within the first two minutes. So many I always times. do. I always listen to that first five minutes really close. I always do EVPs or... Um, some sort of reactions that uh, that are amazing. I think I told you about uh, that. If not, I know I've told the listeners, but uh, Octagon Hall has is, is never failed for me. The first time we were there, Joel and I got a clear EVP. We got the front door. Um, Joel walked up to the front door and said, uh, I'm coming in, and and, uh, and we you very distinctively heard her go, well, come on in. <laughs> um, oh, that's yeah, and uh, um, the last time we were there, it was raining, and of course we were filming for Gavin at the time, and Gavin's out back trying to figure out how to hold his tent together and pull his stuff out, and we thought it was coming out up front because uh, we had just checked the door, and the door was tightly closed. There's no way to open this door even with the wind unless you already have it open, and uh, we hear the doorknob moving, and we're like, okay, Gavin's about to come in. Nope, we watched the doorknob physically move. We watched it open up. There's still a chain on it. It pushed three or four times, and when it couldn't uh, open the door, it closed the door, and you saw the doorknob turn and close the door fully. So it was almost as if somebody was com trying to come right in the front door to say, hey, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that's sadly, like so we didn't get any of it on camera because the moment I grab the camera to hit record, the door closes and, and you can't get it. <laughs> right. Oh, don't you just want to scream? Yep. But I love those experiences because it's what you're there for. Even if you can't really say, here's the proof, guys, you can say, you know what? I know it's there. Yep. That's true. So now you guys have done you guys have done in the past. I don't know if you do now or not a, a YouTube channel, and you've done a little bit of filming and put it out for everybody. Do you still do that? Well, actually, um, we haven't done any YouTube. We just do the live videos on live. our. We'll actually do our investigations. Some of the ones that aren't, you know, too personal or private. Like we're definitely all of our, like. Belair House or, you know, the popular locations, we'll do a few parts of our investigation live on our group page. And um, we get pretty good responses from that. That reminds me, since you do do lies a lot, I want to get you in touch with Maria since she does the world's largest ghost hunt and see if we can't get you signed up. Maybe even you'll want to do it at the Belair House or somewhere else. And uh, if I have to, I'll, I'll uh, work with you on that, go up there and provide a, you know, a wireless box or something so you have a, a more – solid signal during that process but uh, I think it would be awesome because that's all they do in the world largest ghost hunt is they stream 75 100 people from all across the world live at the same moment um, oh, and then share yeah and then share the activity so you're streaming live through them while you're streaming live through yourself and you're sharing activity that people on uh, shoutcast and a lot of these other digital formats are watching so the whole world kind of gets a chance to watch I think they had um, Gosh, I think they had right around 12,000 viewers last year, give or take, yeah, from across awesome. the world. Yeah, and uh, 25 teams, 20, 25 teams. So it would be, it would be cool. Um, I was going to participate with the team this year, but as you know, a lot of times I kind of do my own thing with Joel and a few key individuals, and we, we tag along with everybody else. <laughs> well, I'd definitely be interested in doing it. I'd love to do it at the Blair House. I'm sure Kristen would work something out. I'll... Uh, I'll get with Maria this weekend and shoot her over a message and say I've got a great person that's interested in joining the uh, world's largest ghost hunt this year and have her reach out to you. Yeah, that would be interesting because, you know, because at least things are active there. That way, you know, people have something that they can get to see or, or hear. Usually, can't you never guarantee, but that's a good place to, you know, for the odds are good there. Tracy Norris, who may be listening, just gave a shout-out to Opit and Melissa. She says, I've had an uh, the honor of meeting Melissa and the team of Opit along with my friend James Creechbaum. By the way, James is a great guy. My heart goes out to him and the gentleman on the radio station. I hope that uh, the guy that owns the station heals very, uh, very well. Um, she said she met you guys a few weeks ago, did a great investigation in, in her home directly, and she appreciated everything for it. So just wanted to kind of give a shout-out that uh, Tracy's – Mentioning Opit here on, on live radio. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. I appreciate that. It, yeah, that was just, um, I think on the 10th, we went to her house and and did a bit a pretty serious house cleansing and helped remove an attachment. And, yeah. And James Creech went, well, yeah, he, he, he rocks. <laughs> I relied on him for a couple things. <laughs> He's a nice guy. He's pretty honest once you get to know him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's as straightforward as they come. 
Yep, he and I have had many conversations. Hopefully I'll get a chance to investigate it with him somewhere along the line because I think he's a nice guy. I'm going to take a brief pause here, listeners. We've had a great conversation, and I know we're winding down, but I just want to make sure that we get the uh, um, the daily information in. You are listening just so that you're aware to BBS Radio. BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations on the internet, I do encourage you if you're going to do a podcast or a digital radio show, make sure you contact Donald and his brother at BBS Radio. They're wonderful people. A couple of announcements just so that everybody is aware. We will be attending Mid-South Paranormal as well as several other paranormal conferences here quite shortly in the next few months. Now, Mid-South is up in the air, but we're hoping to do that. I'm also filming for a television show that weekend, so I'm trying to combine both of them together. But hopefully we'll see you there just so that everybody knows. So I do encourage you to look up Mid-South. Um, it's ran by Keith Age every year. Keith is a wonderful guy, great guy to talk to. He'll be on my radio show actually when I get him a chance after doing the conference and a few other things. But um, just to kind of give you a pause there, Melissa, I know we're coming down to the last 15 minutes or so, so let's talk about um, – where they can find you on Facebook so that when you do your lives, the listeners can kind of tune in and say, okay, I've watched the team here in Ohio. Um, our business page is Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. If you just do a search for that, it'll come straight up. And our group page is OPIT, O-P-I-T, and then it says Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. Our group page is very informative for people who are interested in paranormal. Um, we do lots of posts daily on um, paranormal advice, paranormal stories, paranormal videos. Um, so our group page is an awesome place for anybody who's just interested in what's going on. And we also do our live feeds on there. And they are very interesting. I do encourage you guys to look at it. They do a lot of live feeds, and then they follow up with a few postings from time to time on what they found afterwards. And it's a uh, it's a great team here in Ohio. Um, really, to be honest with you, a lot of us here in Ohio need to have more interaction as Ohio teams. We need to kind of get together and get through all the drama and the bull crap and get down to business. <laughs> I agree. I do agree. Next week, what I was doing with um, inviting people, you know that I knew was in the same field to the Blair House to investigate with my team. It's, you know, more or less trying to be more paranormally social, you know, like to, to gather that unity because you never know who you're going to need to help. And I found that out pretty strongly with our last few cases, you know what I mean? And, and the people that I've pulled in to help are people that I've met through this online community. So. James right. says OPIT and, OPIT and Melissa are awesome. Just so you know, James is shouted out, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the calling me awesome too as well. James, if you're listening to the show, we all love you. So we'll be there when you get back on air, buddy. I guarantee it. <laughs> Next week's Absolutely. show, just so that everybody knows, is going to be a great bunch of people that several are actually working on their own show that you're going to see here shortly. Joe Rayoni, Glenn LaRocca, and Denise Marie will be joining me, and they're going to discuss not only what they have been doing here in the past year, now that they're able to do that a little bit by tagging along and doing a little bit of filming for some things that you're going to see, but their opinions on everything, so I encourage you to actually tune in for that show. In the next 
three to four weeks when we get into July. We're going to have some amazing people on. Frank Bennett is a author that has a wonderful story. He's been on several television networks. He's going to be joining us, um, believe it or not. And again, I'm not allowed to release the name yet, but – in late July, if his schedule pertains, because he's also going to a lot of Comic-Cons and he's actually, believe it or not, going to a couple of Trek Fests as well, um, a fairly famous gentleman is going to be taking an hour of his time to be here on BBS Radio. And um, Donald, just so that you're aware, I have spoke to him briefly, and he said, hey, if we got the time, he'd be glad to record a punt for you as well. So make sure that you tune into all of that. Melissa, here in the last five minutes, four minutes or so, do you have anything that you want to express to the listeners on uh, what you'd like them to know about the paranormal? Um, well, <laughs> that was a spur-of-the-moment question. Not not really right off the bat. I, I would like to ask everybody to go ahead and give com a look. And maybe if you're interested in investigation, go ahead and book book it, let Kristen know that OPET sent you. It's a fascinating place to investigate and I kind of, I'm really surprised how many local people don't know about it. It is kind of amazing that they don't know about it. A lot of places get regular traffic, but she doesn't seem to have, of course, we got a little bit of traffic that night, but she doesn't seem to have very much traffic that comes in and out. And it is a wonderful place, just so that you guys know. So um, absolutely, make sure you look up the Bel Air house and the owner is a fascinating woman. She's very, very delightful. Very, real sweetheart. It's one of the places you, you really have enough time to do a good investigation there. It, it's almost like a bed and breakfast, except you've got to do your own cooking. You know what I mean? <laughs> you get to check in early. You can check in like around 6 o'clock, and you're allowed to stay until 11 a.m. And that actually gives you time to do an investigation. So many times we'll pay to go somewhere, and we have like four hours. Uh-huh. Well, when you've got a lot of equipment, you got to consider your setup and teardown time, and that sucks up a lot of it, and you don't really have the time to spend. You don't. So that's the thing I appreciate most about the Blair House is they actually give you time to do an investigation. Yeah. It definitely she she she's really planned that through a little bit compared to the major locations. I know places like Ohio State Reformatory and so forth. After you get the camera set up, you set the plan together. Everybody shows up. You've got, if you're lucky, maybe six hours, maybe right. before you have to start tearing down. <laughs> right, and and that place is huge. Yep, it's massive. Waverly's the same way. Um, you know, Tina's a great lady and her staff is wonderful, but by the time you get set up, you gotta, you gotta kind of pick and choose. You gotta go to those places many, many times to get what you want. (laughs) Oh, I've never been to Waverly, but it's on my bucket list. We are, uh, hopefully, um, gonna be up there again this year. Depends a little bit on Shannon. Shannon, if you're listening and you decide to do Waverly this year, make sure you let me know because I have a list of people I can add to it. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but it is yeah, a fun I'd place. I love to do Waverly. Um, and you know what? I've been by Louisville, Kentucky, so many times in my life. My parents lived in Paducah, Kentucky, so it's on the way there. And I've never stopped. One time I veered off. You know, it's a little out of the way, and tried to find it, but that was at night, and I couldn't even find a place. But yeah, it's on my list. <laughs> We have a campgrounds that um, I got to get back to Keith on because he knows a couple of people apparently around the area. But we have a campgrounds that uh, Joel and I have secured 
that uh, we are going to conduct a full – and I'm not going to let anybody know because it's a secret situation, but we're going to conduct a full investigation there. This campground actually has Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings, haunted um, sightings. Somebody has killed themselves in abandoned cabins that are now there. Off of the edge of it, it physically has what's left over in an old mining – or an old town, an old western town. So there's an amazing amount of opportunity that I'm going to be bringing a lot of people in on. I'd love to have you and the team come up to us when we do that and the beauty of it is you can camp there for dirt cheap the whole weekend and oh, for literally yeah you know, for literally they have bunk houses that run about 70 dollars no more than 70 to 100 bucks that bunk like 18 people with power and air conditioning and you oh, can sit there the whole weekend i'm sorry that's <laughs> i'm gonna go <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's it's an amazing find and the the campground seemed to be very open to us coming back and uh, speaking to the geologists that are up there about the uh, science half of it, as well as the local campers about the paranormal half of it and conducting investigations. So we've got a list of people we're going to be working on. Hopefully this summer I'll be working on the list. We probably won't start until next summer filming, but a uh, whole list of people from celebrities all the way down that I'd love to get involved in this project because I think it's going to make a wonderful five hours worth of a documentary. Oh, do pick me, do pick me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listeners, that's my alley, the whole Bigfoot thing, and that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been on a solid Bigfoot investigation yet, even though I have went on many, many cryptid investigations as a researcher, putting together articles on truth and, and myth and everything else, but I'd love to go out on just a solid Bigfoot investigation once just for the heck of it. <laughs> have you ever been to Helltown? I have two times. You have? What do you think about that? Uh, it's a lot of, it, 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 it's fun. Um. I've never really got a haunting there. I'll be very honest about it. Amazing history. Um, amazing place to go, especially if the uh, officers allow you to go through some of the buildings, which they did allow me to do once. I couldn't film some of it, but I still had a wonderful time doing it. Um, but uh, I, really, it's creepy. I wouldn't say haunted. You will get some EVPs there, but I think you can do that anywhere. But it, yeah. it, it's really creepy. So. Well, I, we are down on our last minute of the show, so listeners, you've been listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, on BBS Radio. Just so that you know, once again, BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations out there. I do encourage you to actually join in on BBS Radio Host. We've got a wonderful lineup of paranormal investigators that have come on and off. we got all kinds of other things. It's an amazing, amazing radio station. Um, I'm going to end this the way I do every single weekend. As you're noticing with Paranormal Truth and Reality, we're a little bit different than most radio stations. We have conversations, and there's a very good point in that. In the paranormal, truth should always be that reality. As a part of that situation, conversations between investigators and the public are very, very important. So the next time you're out and about, don't be afraid to ask questions if you're just a public person because we're normal like everybody else. I assure you we don't worship the devil. <laughs> I and you. Um, and uh, the other key thing is investigators, remember what you started to do. Instead of worrying about all the other stuff, the best way for all of us to actually enjoy the experience and learn is to learn together. That's our show. We'll talk to you next week. I hope you have a good weekend. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, Chris. Not a problem at all.